Hello and welcome to Nerd Girl Musings Podcast. My name is Jen and I'm so glad you're here. It is good to be back again in this very odd December here in Wisconsin. It does not feel like we are a few weeks away from Christmas yet. No snow. The weather is actually really nice, so I'm going to take it. Um, But I would prefer a little bit of of snow dusting for Christmas, but uh, so far so good. So today I was actually going to talk about Ready Player Two because I finished that in a quick hurry. But I'll be honest, uh, it was so bad that I'm I'm going to give it another shot. Um, I'm going to do uh, the first book and then the second one back to back and see how they go together and if it's truly as bad as I uh, my first impression was. It's not a positive um, review of that book. So I'm going to save that for a few more weeks. Um, I've got enough going on right now that uh, that'll get me probably through to the new year and then we'll start the new year off with with some Ready Player 2 review. But what else is happening out there? Um, it was just announced the other day that Wonder Woman... 84 will be released on HBO Max and in theaters for Christmas. So I'm super excited considering I wasn't going to be getting to the theater. I think ours is closed right now anyway. So uh, that is something I am definitely going to renew my uh, HBO Max membership or subscription for at least a month. It's cheaper than going to the movie anyway. And we'll have to see. Uh, Warner Brothers did announce, too, that all of their movies in 2021 were going to come out this way. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works for Warner Brothers releases versus how Disney Plus did their release of Mulan, where you had to pay more. I went and rented Mulan uh, from Redbox the other day, so I paid less than $1.99 for it. So Disney Plus can take that one and do with it what they want. Um, I've also gotten a number of emails from Hulu and Netflix this month saying that they're raising their rates again. So they're both running pretty close to what I would consider excessive. Um, Netflix is still more reasonable, and, but every time I turn it on, it reminds me that it's going to be almost 20 bucks a month now. And um, Hulu, we have Hulu Plus Live is that what it's called? I think um, whatever it is, because someone in the house likes their real housewives. And I don't know, at uh, $74 a month or whatever it's jumping up to, I, I don't know that it, that's going to be worth it. But these uh, streaming services are starting to price themselves out of out of the realm of what I would consider a savings, you know, where I'm getting close to the point where I need to contact charter and see what their next one year deal is and sign up for cable. You know, at, at what point do we say we're right back where we were? I mean, for most of us, we cut the cord to save costs and, and it was great. And, you know, even the $20 a month for Netflix isn't terrible. I talked about this in length at at another podcast. So I'm not going to go into it again, but you know, just at what point do we say enough is enough, but all right. So let's get to the topic for the day. Um, I did not grow up watching your typical Christmas movies. 
uh, I've never actually seen It's a Wonderful Life or A Christmas Story. So I, I've missed out on a lot of the references to the classics. You know, it seems like every Christmas movie you watch, somebody's watching It's a Wonderful Life. And even um, in Happiest Season, we see that that's what they go to watch at the theater. So one of these days, I'm going to have to actually break down and watch those classics so I can understand. Um, but for the next couple of weeks, we're going to we're going to talk about some Christmas movies that I happen to enjoy. Um, I was debating on throwing a Die Hard in there because that's always fun to debate whether or not this is truly a Christmas flick. But I think we're going to save that one for next year because this week I'm going to talk about a, an oldie. Like we're going back to 1965 for this one. Um, so we're going to talk about Sound of Music today. Um, this was my family's tradition. It was always playing at Christmas time where I grew up. I don't know if that's common everywhere. I don't know if that was a Western Michigan thing. I I have no idea, but Sound of Music was always on. And um, so that's what my family would watch together. And we're sort of Norman Rockwell in the way that we sing and we play the piano and do things like that. So it really fit in with how our family did things. Um, you know, it just, we were such a funny little family. Um, you know, it was just the three of us and my mom and I played piano and we would often find ourselves around the piano and actually singing. Uh, my mom and I are able to harmonize in a way that my dad just sings. Um, and most of the songs from Sound of Music were songs that I first learned how to play on the piano. A much simpler version of them, but I definitely learned how to play most of those songs. So in the beginning of December, whenever all three of us would be home, um, I would haul my record player up from my room and the speakers, and we had our favorite record, which was a compilation of a whole bunch of different artists singing songs. I mean, we had... Um, Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Elvis, Brol Ives. Uh, that's what I grew up with. And I don't find myself enjoying a lot of Christmas music today. Like I don't like poppy Christmas music. I prefer these older versions. Um, and it took me a long time to find you know, some playlists and, um, and things to recreate that just for my own enjoyment. But, um, you know, we would all decorate the tree as the music was playing and then um you know it depends when in the month uh we would watch the movie do whatever uh but it sounds pretty norman rockwell to me if i say it like that but um so this was my classic christmas movie is when sound of music would come on and you could sit and sing and and watch it together um then the other movies that we're going to talk about this month, for, so for the next couple of weeks, uh, Family Stone. In in my house today, this is our favorite. We'll be honest, we watch it all year long, but it is considered our Christmas go-to movie in this house. Um, and then the one that I'm going to do for the week of Christmas will be Polar Express. That movie, more than any other, actually gets me in the mood for Christmas. Uh, you know, who doesn't love singing about hot chocolate? 
Um, and that's a little earworm that gets in there and you just can't unhear Tom Hanks singing that over and over. So um, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks to talk about these movies. And uh, when we come back after Christmas, then I will review Wonder Woman. So, you know, around Christmas time, that's the plan. But so without further ado, let's talk about um, Sound of Music. So like I said, we're going back to 1965 for this one. Now I realize that there are some people that maybe have never seen this movie slash musical. Um, so I'll give you the Cliff Notes version, if people know what Cliff Notes are. Um, so I'll give you the short, short version. Um, essentially, we have a young nun uh, with a very free spirit that can't be contained. She's always running late. She's always singing and always doing something that is outside of the rules. So the Reverend Mother decides that maybe the best fit for her is outside of the Abbey. And they find her a job assisting a captain uh, that has a bunch of kids, and she would work as his governess. So um, a lot of people probably don't even know what a governess is, uh, but governess and a nanny were sort of hand in hand. Um, so the nanny took care of raising babies, taking care of kids in that way, whereas the governess was in charge of their learning and development. So um, it's generally thought that they would be about, the kids were about five years old and up. And so it makes sense given the age group of these kids. And um, she does a, a bunch of sing songs on the way uh, and finds this giant mansion with a whole lot of children. Um, and the captain, Captain Von Trapp, is, uh, he's a seaboat captain and he likes to call his children by a whistle. Um, and so there's a, a fun little showing of how the whistling works. And um, you just got to wonder how that would actually play out and if that was what truly happened. Uh, because the Von Trapp family is a real family. So uh, this was loosely based off a few different books and, and things. So um, it's roughly, roughly accurate. So... The kids haze Maria a little bit. Uh, Maria's our nun. And, um, you know, they give her a hard time essentially doing that. Are you truly here to care about us or are we just going to run you off like we have the other 12 governesses that we've had? Um, but during this horrible thunderstorm, comes to find out the kids are all scared and they pile in like a bunch of puppies on her bed. And this is where Maria breaks out into probably the most classic known song from this movie, which is uh, My Favorite Things. And so it's a lot of fun, and she realizes that the kids are, um, they're much better than the hazing that they had started to put her through. Um, they had put a pine cone on her seat. They put a, um, a frog in her pocket, things like that. So uh, they start to realize that she's a, she's a nice person and she's truly going to be there for them. Um, and so Maria decides to take the curtains and make the kids play outfits because they are so structured and regimented that they don't get to get out and play. They can't get dirty, things like that. So she makes some outfits for them and takes them outside. They go outside of their normal routine. They have a picnic and, uh, Maria starts to teach them a song 
And so do, re, mi is where this one starts. And it starts the basics of notes and adding words to notes and things like that. And she's teaching the kids music. And soon we find that they're singing all over town, hanging out of trees, singing, doesn't matter. Um, and they're learning how to put songs together. And wouldn't you know it, everybody can sing. Uh, and now they've all grown close to one another. And you can see that they have a great chemistry and a great bond. So when the kids all come back home, um, we find the captain has brought the Baroness uh, to meet the kids. The Baroness is somebody that he's been dating. She lives in Vienna. And um, she brings along her chaperone, Max Detweiler, because those are the, the times, that's the era that we're living in, that uh, you need to have that chaperone. So just so happens that Max is looking for a singing group for the festival, for the competition. So when the kids and Maria show up in a canoe that they tip over and fall into the water in front of the Baroness, it, it doesn't show the best impression. Um, Captain Von Trapp is not very happy with that and scolds them and tells them to, to run in and go get changed. Um, and then suddenly the kids are changed instantly they're so much faster than I think I ever changed as a kid and they put on this great little sing song for the Baroness they um it then leads to this puppetry show which is a lot of fun there's some yodeling here um and it brings a new life back into this house um, something that has been missing for a long time so the Baroness tells Captain Von Trapp that she wants him to throw her a party so that way she can meet all of his friends. And of course, um, he does that. And um, the kids and then the captain show how to do... They're all dancing during this party. And um, the kids try to mimic what they're seeing these adults do. And so Maria is trying to show them here is how you do this dance and you you know you step here step step together and a kid being a kid can't quite put it together so captain von trapp comes out and he says let me let me show you how it's done and he begins to dance with maria and there's a a connection there are sparks that are flying in this moment and the baroness actually witnesses this and uh so, you know, you can see the wheels turning. Like she can, she can see that there's some kind of a chemistry and an attraction happening here. And that's not, that's not what, she, uh, what she wants to see. Um, and there's a few other scenes in this part of the movie. We get to understand that uh, it's set in Austria just prior to the German occupation. And there, there are tensions between the Germans and the Austrians. And... Um, so there's there's this underlying theme that's happening, and um, it reminds you every now and then that Hitler is is coming into power, and he's uh, he's building up his empire, and Captain von Trapp is on on a different side of Hitler, and um, so we see that tension builds up here. 
So the Baroness, after witnessing what she did between Maria and Captain Von Trapp, decides that she needs to remove the competition, and uh, she essentially runs Maria out. She uh, convinces Maria that this is not the best place for her, and Maria sneaks out during the party unnoticed. Uh, because this is an old, old movie, it used to be on two VHS tapes, actually, if I remember correctly, there's an intermission break. After Maria takes off from the party, uh, it actually says intermission. And it's like a three-minute intermission in the middle of the digital version. Um, and then it, it picks back up, and then we have a few minutes of music playing, sort of like an interlude, and then it begins the movie back up again. So it gives you that really old-time feeling right in the middle um, because we're about an hour and... 20 minutes or so into the movie at this point, I believe. Um, so it's roughly three hours long. But we catch right back up uh, with the family, and the kids are playing a game. I'm, they're in a circle, and they're kind of, I think they're all numbered, and they're calling numbers and and uh, throwing a ball at one another. It seems like a really lame game to me. Um, and the Baroness is playing with them. And it's very clear nobody is having any fun. The Baroness really doesn't want to be there. Uh, she has a conversation with Max about as soon as she gets married, the kids are going to all go off to boarding school. So she doesn't want to be a mom. She doesn't want to have anything to do with these kids. And just after her saying this, uh, the kids learn that they are going to have a new mother. And uh, they learn that... Um, Captain Von Trapp has proposed to the Baroness. They have plans to get married. Um, they all walk up to her and essentially welcome her to the family, but there is no joy. There's no happiness. It's, it's, not, it's not what they want. So the kids all take off, and they run to the Abbey to go see Maria. And Maria is not taking visitors from anyone. And one thing I noticed in this movie, and it, I, I know it struck me before, but it seemed more so now, is there are gates everywhere around this abbey. I don't know if they're locking the nuns in, if they're keeping people out. I'm not sure why there are so many gates and locks. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Of course, I have not been to an abbey before, so I don't know if that's normal. And they're always locked in. Maybe it's a European thing. I don't know. Um, so anyway, Maria's not seeing anyone. So the Reverend Mother says, bring her to me. I need to have a chat with her. And the Reverend Mother uh, gives her some really wise and sage advice about living the life that you are meant to live. Um, and you can tell Maria is, is torn between wanting to be a nun or is she falling in love with Captain Von Trapp. And the two can't necessarily coincide together, but it doesn't make one right and the other wrong. And we get a very dramatic song about climbing mountains, following rainbows, and finding your dreams. And, um, and it becomes a theme that we see then throughout the movie. You can hear the, the music playing in the background. Uh, so Maria returns to... Uh, back to the, the house and Captain Von Trapp and learns that they are engaged and 
um, you can see the disappointment, um, but eventually he realizes that his heart is not with the Baroness and that he also is falling for Maria. So he breaks it off with her. And then we have a scene where uh, Maria and Captain Von Trapp basically exchange their love for one another. They share a kiss and off we go. So now uh, we're going to get married. And so we have the wedding day. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. There are these church bells going, giant pipe organs. Uh, pipe organs are something that I remember growing up as a kid in our church. We had giant pipe organs. And I used to love sitting. My mom always wanted to sit in the front row. Um, and whenever we did, I always loved sitting in front of where the organist sat because I loved to watch how they do that. And I still, it's still amazing how many buttons and knobs and flips and switches and things that an organist needs to know how to do to make these pipe organs sound the way that they do. But it is such a unique and powerful sound. It's really cool. So, um, so very long train. I like that the nuns walk her to the altar essentially and, uh, or at least to the sanctuary. Uh, but again, there's another gate and they're locked. So I, that part just really throws me off. And I, I had a, a, a very interesting, uh, I don't know what to call it. So while I was watching this the other day again, I, you know, I'm watching the nuns bring her in and she's got her dress and her, um, uh, her new stepdaughters um, that were flower girls and, and standing up for her. They're getting ready to go down the aisle and it's just Maria all by herself. And she walks herself down the aisle and it, it felt very much like I was watching my mom's wedding day. So uh, she also walked herself down the aisle. She, didn't, she was not walked down by anyone. Uh, she also had shorter hair. And so it just, it just felt really surreal to, to watch this movie scene and think about the stories that I've heard about my parents' wedding day. And, of course, they didn't get married in this giant, uh, giant church or anything like that. But watching a woman walk down on her own, in the 60s and that's exactly what my mom did in 1969 so um, it was quite a powerful moment to watch that and, and kind of think of what that means and what a statement that was at for the time um, so after the wedding uh, we get our first glimpses of the nazi flag we had seen a few things we saw heard some heil hitlers things like that but this is the first time we actually see the flag and um we learn that Captain Von Trapp and Maria are off on their honeymoon. They've been gone about a month. Um, and the the Von Trapp house is the only one in the neighborhood not flying the Nazi flag. And so we also learn that they are looking for him, uh, they meaning the Nazis, and they're expecting him to take his rightful place in their, I don't know, their, uh, as a captain for them. Um and we also learn, because Max is still in the kids' lives, we learn that he has signed them up to play in the, or to sing in the music festival that evening. And uh, Maria and Captain Von Trapp hastily return that day from their honeymoon. And uh, the captain had received a telegram uh, that's, that essentially was saying, here are your orders. We're coming to get you. Uh, you're expected 
in the morning, you know, that's, that's it. There's just no other option. And so he says that they need to get out of Austria tonight. And um, so they make plans to leave under the cover of darkness. And as you know, they would, they're, they're pushing their car out and, I had never seen this before, but one of the um, one of the people that work in the Von Trapp's house was actually watching him from the window, and I wonder if he had tipped off the Nazis, um, because sure enough, as soon as they get out just far enough, uh, they are spotted, and they decide to use the music festival as a cover. So they said, oh, you know what, our car wouldn't start, um, but we're going to the music festival and, and here's our paperwork showing that we're actually singing. And they kind of question him because in the, in the brochure, it, it only mentions the kids' names. And the captain says, well, I am the head of the Von Trapp family and this is for the Von Trapp family singers. So, you know, essentially I have to be there. So off they all go. They get a lovely Nazi ex- escort uh, to the venue and they all find seats to observe so that way they can, they can take Captain Von Trapp as soon as this is all done. So there's there's SS soldiers all over the place waiting for him. And um, the, the music festival is great. Everybody does a good job. Um, and then they all leave the stage. And uh, Max is the one announcing all the winners. And so we start with, you know, third place and then second place. And you can tell he's kind of dragging it out a little bit. And then we announce the winners and discover that the family is gone because they call him a few times and they don't respond. And then one of the guards runs out and he says they're, they're gone. So we find that the family has hidden in the abbey. And the soldiers went there. Uh, they're looking for them. And we find out that uh, the oldest daughter, uh, Liesel, her love interest is the one that sounds the alarm. And um, so the family flees. And then there's probably one of the most fantastic uh, scenes in the whole movie is um, all the SS soldiers run out to their cars to go chase after the family. And we have two nuns walking up to the Reverend Mother saying, forgive me, Mother, for I have sinned. And she turns around and she's like, well, what, you know, what did you, what happened? And they pull up car parts. And so these two nuns had removed whatever bits from the vehicle so they couldn't go after the family. I think it was great. So um, the movie ends with the family climbing through the mountains and off to freedom as far as we know. So, uh, you know, unfortunately this was rather inaccurate because had they actually gone uh, through the mountains, as the movie depicts, they would have ended up right in Hitler's summer residence. So um, the family actually boarded a train to Italy, and then from Italy they fled to the United States where they had a concert planned. And um, so, you know, that's how they didn't get their hands on him. But this this uh, musical was the last collaboration between Rodgers and Hammerstein. They were really big back in the 60s and, um, and in the 50s and creating these musicals. Uh, but The Sound of Music itself is based on two German films about the Von Trapp family, as well as the memoir published by Maria herself. Um, they almost didn't cast Julie Andrews for this role because they had saw her in 
Mary Poppins, and they just didn't think that a theater actress would do well in this type of movie. Um, And so 20th Century Fox had wanted a four-movie contract, and they negotiated it down to two films. And, you know, this was one of the bigger films of her career. Uh, Julie Andrews has done so much over the years, and, and she's just a... Her voice is amazing, even though she can't sing anymore today. Um, but this was a, a big jump in her career. Um, Christopher Plummer, who played Captain Von Trapp, hated the film so much, and he used to call it The Sound of Mucus. He also ate and drank his way through Salzburg, uh, which caused him to gain some weight during filming, and they had to be, you know, let out his, his, uh, his costumes and things like that. Um, And rumor has it that during the scenes where they filmed the family singing for the music festival, he was actually drunk during those scenes. So um, he just wasn't a fan of this movie, apparently. Um, So we also learn that in real life, there were 10 kids, not seven. Um, Maria had left the convent to tutor one child who was home with scarlet fever, not be a governess to everybody. And um, apparently Captain Von Trapp was a very kind man, and he was not the harsh disciplinarian that we see in the movie. And uh, that Captain Von Trapp and Maria had been married 11 years before the Nazis took over Austria. And they had two kids of their own with one on the way when they did escape. Um and she, Maria has famously written that she did not love the captain when she married him, uh, but she loved the children. She liked the captain, but she loved the children. So um, I, think that's, I think that's kind of funny. And the original title of the musical was called The Singing Heart. So what a, what a change in getting it to call the, the Sound of Music. So that's the the Cliff Notes version of this of this musical. It is pretty long, like I said, um, and I think it can be a little tedious for for some people to to sit through nowadays. Um, our attention span is just that less than two hours type of type of movie, and um, and musicals. I think you have to be in the right mood for a musical. Uh, this one has a lot of catchy little tunes, and um, I find myself loving loving the music from this movie, maybe more so than the movie itself. I really just enjoy the music. Um, so there are always a few scenes when I'm watching that I tend to fast forward just because they feel a little long and drawn out and, um, and everything. But uh, this is what traditionally in my family we watched for Christmas. Um, but then again, my Christmas, we always opened presents on Christmas Eve. And uh, didn't really, as especially as I got older, we didn't do much on Christmas Day um, for presents. But uh, we would always go visit um, the movie theater on Christmas Day and watch a movie that way. So um, that's how this movie became a tradition for me. So next week we'll chat about uh, Family Stone and let me know what your family... Uh, favorite family tradition is for Christmas, maybe a movie that you always like to watch or traditions that you incorporated into your Christmas. And that's all that we have for our episode today. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you never miss out and head on over to Instagram and say hello and make sure to give us a like. 
Have a good day and be well.